0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love
1: with TCL. It's the Score North Twin Show. And
2: welcome into the Score North Twin Show. It's all again, Jake DePew, as always. I got a question for you off the top, Jake DePew. So yes. the Twins, the Twins win a Game One in Cleveland. We're recording this on Tuesday. They win game one in Cleveland on Monday. They're now 20 and 10. They're a six sixty-seven winning percentage just tied with Oakland atop the American League. They only trail both teams do the 22 and eight Dodgers who are ridiculous. And that is a 773 win percentage. Here's my question. 30 games in. So one half through this absolute sprint of a season, a designated hitter has never won. And I get why the MVP in the American League before so they have contended but they have never but a true DH a guy who does not play in the field period in your opinion is Nelson Cruz on the precipice of breaking that streak within the confines of a season in which I do believe it's possible for the unusual to take place
0: wow that is a great question Nelson Cruz has been absolutely phenomenal Uh, he has been a huge contributor, obviously, all season, but the last two games, um, those both those home runs were enormous. Uh, I don't think the Twins win either without them, but I still would have to say no. A MVP to a DH, I just can't go that far because, you know, he only does half the job of a normal player. He does that half of the job as as well as anyone possibly could. He certainly would be in my top ten, maybe my top five. He's the Twins MVP, I think, although to my head is close, uh, but no, MVP of the league, I don't, I don't think so.
2: Do you, do you disagree? I do right now just a bit because of, of this. I think if we were playing the ordinary 162, then I think it's impossible because I, in that case, not playing defense to me becomes a, a definite factor, and I probably would say, hey, he's great, but no. But 60 games – 60 games is such a sprint, and I believe it changes the dynamic of the thought process of the award itself. And look, the Twins are good, and offensively, they're pretty damn good still. But they're not the Bomba Squad, I don't think, of 2019, where it was an offensive um, free-for-all, right? And if you were to take Cruz's bat out of this lineup, and you were to replace him with Player X, who was, let's say, a nice player... Uh, yeah, I mean, this team's not in first place. So so I guess the one reason why I, I disagree, and if he continues on this trend through the last 30 games, is the fact that he means so much. And here's the other factor too, Jake, that um, is going to be intriguing. And it's the one thing that could get him the award potentially, the triple crown. Yes. Because yep. he's in contention. He's in contention. And – If this guy wins it or or gets close to it, I could see that swaying votes. But, yeah, I just think because the season itself is so short and so odd, I mean, we're halfway through, um, that it's at least a discussion. I don't know if if he is off to a great start, and let's say it's June 1st. I think it's pie in the sky. So, yeah, I mean, if he
0: wins the Triple Crown – I think you have to put him in serious contention. I mean, they gave it to Miguel Cabrera the year he won the Triple Crown, even though Mike Trout, uh, at least in my view and in the view of analytics, you know, war and things like that, was a much better player. Um, Here's another thing with Cruz. Now that Miguel Sano's bat is heating up, he provides protection for Cruz, right? So the last two games where Cruz hit big home runs and Sano was a huge contributor too, Sano hit right after Cruz. Cruz hit three in the lineup, Sano was four. You can't pitch around Nelson Cruz when Miguel Sano is this hot. So he's getting a lot more pitches to hit than he would be if, you know, uh, somebody like Arise was behind him or, you know, Mitch Garver when he was struggling or Marwin Gonzalez. Those are all nice hitters, but they're not Miguel Sano when Miguel Sano is going right. So that, Absolutely. I think, is part of the reason uh, that Cruz has been so good lately. It, you know, Sano provides protection and he just he adds another – potent bat you just can't pitch around him so but but to get back to your original point if he wins the triple crown he has to be a top three mvp guy i I just i can't go there with dhs um even in this wonky 60 game season but i
2: understand your point completely i mean he's 40 years old too which is just unbelievable it's incredible he's gonna get miguel he is miguel what's your take because it does seem it, it seems that jake depew there's two camps here right the we love Miguel Camp back off. It's gonna be fine. He's the greatest thing, and right now he's unbelievable, right? Or the oh man, he's not that good, blah, blah. What's your take? Because I feel like personally, we know exactly who he is now, which is this roller coaster ride. And when the roller coaster's at the top of the Sunot ride, it's fantastic. And when it's at the bottom, it's pretty bad. Um, but do, do you are you now convinced that He's found greatness, and this is it. Or, or do you go more towards? Hey, look, he's fantastic now, but I know that at some point in time it's going to come back down. And he's going to go through a stretch where he strikes out 18 times and 14 at bats, which is impossible to do.
0: I'm more in the camp of he's really fun to watch when he's going well like this, but he's not one of the most important players uh, on the Twins. Uh, he's a power hitting first baseman with average defense who strikes out a ton. And when he's going really well, he's a, he's a great hitter. And he can carry an offense for weeks at a time uh, when he's going well, as we're seeing right now. But to, to pretend like there isn't going to be another huge slump where he strikes out in 60% of his plate appearances and he kills a ton of rallies and he's totally lost, I mean, we know from watching him over the last five, six years that that's, that's going to happen. Uh, so he is who he is. He's, he's great fun to watch at the plate. I love watching him hit when he's going well right now. Um, He looks like he did in 2015 when he came up and he was laying off tough pitches and taking his walks and going the other way. Uh, And if he could keep that up consistently, he'd be a superstar. But until I see that over an extended stretch, I'm just not willing to totally buy in. He's a good player. He's certainly a starter on the Twins, a guy who should be in the lineup every day, even when he's struggling, because you never know when he's going to snap out of this. But do I think he's uh, one of the best hitters in the league or one of the best players on the Twins? No, I think he's a, a, a solid power-hitting first baseman man uh, who can, again, carry an offense when he's doing well.
2: Here's what I want from him, and, and this is what my response to all of those who say, you see, he's a great player, you don't get it. Here's what I want, and it's very, very simple, and it's not that big of a ask. I want October greatness. I right. want playoff. I want to see this. I want to see this guy, and don't tell me you can't do that. That's too much. No if he's this good carry it into october and do it against the yankees do it against good teams and do it consistently and look like this and that does not mean that he can't strike out so i'm not saying don't strike out but i am saying that if you are on the the Miguel Sano, um he's a great player and he's going to be and he's fantastic and you don't appreciate him then i want to see this in the playoffs i don't think that that is an un realistic ask by any means
0: yeah because he struggles against top flight pitching and that's just anecdotal I haven't broken down the numbers it would be really interesting to see you know how he does against pitchers who are considered elite versus um, everybody else and obviously the numbers would be skewed for anybody but it seems like he really 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 struggles against top flight pitching as we saw in the playoffs last year when he was one for 12 with eight strikeouts um, our our buddy Matthew Caller I always used to argue that Sano feasts on you know weak AL Central pitching, and when he has to face top guys, he really struggles. I tend to agree with that. Uh, Savali is good, and he took yep. him deep last night. Uh, but yeah, I I agree. We need to see it in the playoffs, and we need to you know if he goes you know two for four with a, a double and a home run against Bieber tonight, well you know that would go a long way. Uh, to convincing me that, that maybe he, you know, really has turned a corner. Um, and if he was able to keep that up consistently against the top guys, um, you know, I, I might have to revisit this take. But right now I would say he he absolutely feasts on subpar pitching and he struggles against the top
2: guys. I think that's, that, that's true, fair. And, and look, he is going to, to be streaky. I, I get that. But I guess my request is – Let's see this when it matters most consistently. You know, let's see you and Cruz and that group um, absolutely hammer opposing pitching that's good in the playoffs. And then I'll go back and say, okay, um, trade deadline comes up at 3 o'clock on Monday Central Time, at least. I don't know if the Twins are going to make moves, Jake Depew. I will say this. I think the one team in the division that absolutely is going to have to make moves and will is Cleveland. Because they've got no pop. I mean, they've got that pitching galore. It's, you know, incredible how much pitching the Indians turn out. Um, But I saw a stat, I believe, going into last night's game, and this is probably not right, but it was something along the lines of the starting outfielders were a collective 198 or something ridiculous. So I don't know if the Twins are going to try and acquire pitching, more starting, or bullpen help or something along those lines. I am pretty certain that Cleveland is going to move pitching probably or at least try to uh, to add some pop because they've got a few guys that are pretty damn good still, and then there's a lot of dead weight in that Cleveland uh, lineup.
0: So it'll be really interesting to see whether they bring Clevenger back Wednesday. Right now Adam Plutko is scheduled to pitch Wednesday against the Twins. If they don't bring Clevenger back uh, from his uh, – I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, he got demoted, obviously, but it was obviously because he went out, and that was the right decision. Him and Plecia, um, his relegation, I guess. Uh, if they don't
2: bring back very soccer like Jake. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. Relegation. I love promotion and relegation. By the way, I wish baseball would do it. Oh, amazing. amen, brother. It's the best. Um, but uh, if they don't bring him back before the deadline and yep. specifically against the Twins where it would make total sense to bring him back against your top division rival, then that to me suggests that they're that they're looking to move him. And that's been their pattern. I mean, they moved Bauer, they moved Kluber, and they're just so confident in their ability to develop starters, as they should be because they do, uh, yep. that they feel fine doing that. And, yeah, they have no outfield at all. I mean, their outfield is, is just absurdly bad. Um, Jose Ramirez is struggling. Fran Reyes has been up and down. Uh, In terms of his consistency, he's kind of Snow-like to me. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, if they really want to compete, I think they can get through the first round of the playoffs no matter what because of that rotation. If they want to make a deep run in October, they need to add offense. And so it would make sense to move a Clevenger, maybe a sack, you'd get less for him, but uh, move somebody like that to get uh, a couple of power bats or a, a power bat and a
2: prospect. I did hear that uh, there is at least speculation out there that they are possibly going to move, and this is not going to surprise you at all, Clevenger to the Yankees for a package that would bring back Clint Frazier, the outfielder who has had consistent problems breaking through to play for the Yankees, but I think he was the fifth overall pick when Cleveland took him, and uh, he would basically, I believe, immediately become their best outfielder by default, because as you said, the rest of their outfield can't hit. So if that happens, that makes the rest of the life for the American League that much tougher. Um, But, yeah, that would not surprise me. But I just – I watched Cleveland again last night, and they just don't really have a chance. I mean, they they don't. They've got – as I said, they've got a few guys that can get on base and have a little bit of pop, but from about five on down or six on down, They are just, they don't have much at all, so. Yeah, I
0: mean, when they had that leadoff double against Romo, uh, so it was in the eighth, they had the leadoff double against Romo, uh, and then I believe they brought up, let me check to make sure I have this right. Um, Yeah, so Naquin doubled the leadoff, and then they have Jordan Luplo, who grounds up to short, Roberto Perez, and Greg Allen. Yeah. And they have no pinch-hitting options off the bench. Like, that to me, you know, when you desperately need a run and you've got a runner at second with no outs in the bottom of the eighth down by one and that's who you're sending up, it was like, wow, this team is desperate for offense.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it's bad. Um, d- does it bug you at all? And I tweeted about this last night when it took place. And I got a bunch of tweets back that implied that, that it bugged me. And basically what I was trying to tweet out was an observation, okay? So I'm not bothered by, by this one bit. I'm fairly certain that Sergio Romo is going to get a teammate hit by a pitch thrown at very soon or start a bench clearing brawl. Now here's why I don't mind it. Like I think it's going to happen and there will be people who object, but this twins team, Jake is so laid back, right? Starts with Rocco, incredibly laid back. Nelson Cruz, you know, I don't think that he is, is like Mr. Intensity. I think he's Mr. Professional. Um, I like what Sergio brings. All of that being said, you know, it started with the uh, uh, Royals game here and then carried on, and I think it was uh, Naquan doubled off Sergio last night. Sergio went behind third base to back up third, and I don't know if some guys from the Cleveland dugout were chirping at him, but he definitely chirped back. It got a little bit uh, tense, but this guy definitely adds an element that this twins team fundamentally and personality wise lacks. I like it. I do think that someone's going to charge the mound or, or something is going to start not saying that's a bad thing. Just saying that as an observation.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love it. I love that. He chirps a after he struck him out. Uh, I love that. He was chirping with, with Cleveland's dugout. That's fun. It adds intensity. And like you said, the twins need that. They, they are such a laid-back team, and I think for the most part that's a good thing, especially over a 162-game marathon in a normal year. Um, but Donaldson and Romo, I love the intense, intensity that they bring. Now, if that leads to a bench-clearing brawl and a bunch of suspensions, obviously that's an issue. And especially in a short year, you don't want to get a bunch of guys suspended. But, mm-hmm. but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because it, I, they need that, man. I mean, and they're going to need that in the playoffs. You know, I mean, this is a team that has pretty much laid down in the playoffs – uh, you know, over the last, what, I mean, they're 0-16 in their last 16 playoff games. And I know that has little to do with uh, this group other than last year, but I, just the twins are not the type of organization generally that, that does that type of thing, that gets into brawls, that's really intense. And I think they need a little more of that. And so I'm, I, I'm happy that Romo's doing it. He's a veteran. He's If you want to do the old school baseball thing, he's earned the right to, to sort of act that way and, and chirp. Um, so I don't have a problem with it. Hopefully there are no brawls, but I think it's great and I think it's entertaining and, and uh, I, I love Romo. I love Romo. I think he's pitching a little bit over his head maybe
2: right now, but I love so do I. I think he's used a little bit too much right now. Like, I don't think it's his fault. I, I just think that Look, he's really smart, and he doesn't throw hard, but I I think he could definitely be put under the crafty tag as far as a veteran savvy pitcher goes. Uh, I probably wouldn't use him as much as they do, but the chirping and the not – I mean, he doesn't shut up, which I think is great, and it's fun. He he makes baseball fun, and you know what? If the Royals don't like it or Cleveland, I say who cares? But unfortunately in baseball – Retribution, a big thing, right? So if your guy talked, then we, you know, then it's trouble. So, but yeah, I I thought last night there's going to be something here at some point in time that somebody is going to snap, which is fine, and it's fun. But I do come back to the one thing that you said, which is be careful because if you go out there and you get a guy suspended for five games in a year like this, that's a lot of baseball games. But he's not throwing it, guys.
0: He's no. just chirping. I like and, it, and I think most players understand the difference. Like if somebody hits a big home run off of him and chirps him, I think Romo would would like nod his head and be like, you got me, you know? Like right. I, I think he keeps it he, – he he talks trash, but he understands that it goes both ways. He's a smart guy. So as long as he's not throwing at guys, I don't
2: have a problem. I think the sticking point is I'm mad at Sergio. I throw at, you know, Cruz, right? Yeah. And now we got trouble because then my guy throws at your guy and now that's how the bench is clear. So it it would be a very roundabout way to get a bench clearing brawl, but just a thought. No, it's, it,
0: it, it's great fun, right? It provides entertainment and uh, I'm happy with that.
2: All right. So baseball is fun because of, of the differences, right? Like you can see different things on a daily basis and, and you don't know what to expect, but my God, Monday's game I thought was great fun. And, by the way, hold on a second. I got the scorebook here. three fourteen, so not a short game, okay? It felt like it flew by. I enjoyed it. Um, it's amazing that you can go from, and I say this with all due respect, the absolute piece of garbage that we saw on Sunday in Kansas City. Like, that was, that was nails on a chalkboard to me. My eyes were bleeding. That was so bad. We go from that game – which I could not wait for to to end, and it wouldn't till last night's game, where I'm thinking to myself, it might be going long, and I don't care. It's a fun game. It's pretty damn well pitched. It's close in a good way, because that Sunday game, I oh. think that Sunday, I think that Sunday game so far, Jake, might have been the worst Twins game just as far as the optics of any game I've seen since they started on July 24th.
0: Yeah, I had to step away. I, I'm somebody who watches almost every game, and uh, I was just like, it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon, and I'm going outside for a while. That game was brutal. I mean, it was just the number of runners that were left on base and the, the pitching changes and just the lack of execution from both teams. Oh, it was just awful. I don't know how long that game took. I'm guessing close to four hours. Uh yeah, it was – they had no business winning that game. Uh, you know, I, I tweeted after the game – that No, play- you, you texted me that like five times. You were right. Well, the baseball gods were not watching that game because when you leave that many runners on base, uh, you did not deserve to win. They somehow pulled it out, even with Rogers giving up a run in the ninth because of Nelson Cruz, really, because he added that insurance. But, yeah, that game was just yeah. – uh, I, I love baseball as much as anyone I know. Uh, and that game was like that. I, I can't watch this. Um, so, but they made up for it. They made up for it with a great game yesterday. Uh, but I, I do want to talk about one thing. The bullpen is Rocco and the front office. Are they making a mistake by pitching the bullpen so much? So I, I tweeted last night, did the math on this. The bullpen has pitched 25 of the last 38 innings. That is way too much. Everybody is taxed. Uh, I don't think they can pitch anybody who's high leverage other than Duffy tonight. Um, Is this a mistake in your mind to, you know, when they're comfortably in playoff position to be having these bullpen games and throwing these guys so much?
2: All right, that's a really, really interesting topic and path to go down. Mackie and I disagreed today, and it wasn't a knockdown drag out, but I said if it was me last night, I'd bring Maeda out to start the sixth, and if it starts to go sideways, I take him out. Phil's point was, no, he threw uh, 100-plus pitches in his last game when he was so brilliant against the Brewers, and so it made uh, sense to take him out. Let's see here. I got the pitch count for him last night. 85 – or, I'm sorry, 83 pitches. So Phil's point was he threw a ton of pitches last time. It makes sense to take him out after the fifth last night um, and go to the bullpen at that point. But with what you just brought up, this is almost – A moment of truth here to me for um, Baldelli, Derek Falvey, the entire Wes Johnson, all of the people who make decisions. And the moment of truth is this. Who do you want to tax? Because you're going to have to tax somebody. And like, okay, so if you took Kenta, who was really good again out after five, yay, we saved him. We saved him some more. That's great. But now the the, uh, topic that you just brought up is 1,000% true. Your bullpen's more taxed, and you're also trying to pitch guys who you don't trust as much, right? Like, what? once you get to that A-pen, I do think that you trust them. But when I'm going to Theobar, right, and I know he struck out the side, but it's still a wild card. Um, so to answer your question, I think we're getting to, to the point of the year where if the starting pitcher is pitching well, I guess I don't – I, I'm getting confused as to why he can't get the sixth, unless unless you're going to go down the path of we are going to use Theobar up for all he is worth, and his arm is going to fall off, and we're going to throw it in in the lake, and then we're going to go get the next guy from St. Paul, and we're going to use him up too. But that's really not how they operate ordinarily. So I'm a little bit confused as to what the end game is for pitching here, and and. Look, if Kenta had come out for the seventh or eighth, then I'd say, wow, that's surprising. But I don't think the sixth, at least to allow him to start the sixth, was exactly an enormous ask. Uh, And I do get concerned that they're taking that second layer of bullpen, guys, and becoming maybe a little bit too cocky with what they think that they can get all the time from them. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah, I... I think Maeda was at, what,
0: 82, 83 pitches? 83. 83. I probably would have sent him back out until he allowed a base runner um, or had a really long at bat. Like, if he had a 10, 11 pitch at bat, even if it ended with a strikeout or whatever, I'd probably pull him then. Um, I think they're at the point now where they're 20 and 10. Missing the playoffs would take, unless it was COVID-related, would take just an absolute meltdown. I think they're now at the point where you have to – you've got to stretch starters out, and you have to just call up guys from St. Paul and pitch them until their arm falls off, uh, to, use, to use your phrase. Like, you have to coast, I think, these next 15 games or so. Um, now, if you go on a huge losing streak, you end it, but, and you start pitching the top guys. But these guys need a rest now. Uh, it's just not worth it to, to push them back-to-back back days and, and risk, because we've seen so many pitcher injuries, right? And we've seen it on the Twins. You know, Rizzi, Homer Bailey, um, uh, Latell, uh, Stashek. So, like, you can't risk these guys. They need to be healthy for October. And so if that means calling up a Duran or a Dakota Chalmers or even uh, Juan uh, Manaya, just, you know, kind of random replacement level guys and have them pitch big innings over the next few games, I'm totally fine with that. They push it as far as they can with this bullpen. I would say try to win one of the next two against Cleveland, though, and here's why. They're 4-1 and one against Cleveland. The first tiebreaker to break uh, a division tie is head-to-head, and there's no one-game playoff. So you want to win 6 out of 10 against Cleveland. right? That's really important because if you win 6 out of 10, it's like gaining an extra game because there's, because there's no one-game playoff. So I would push it maybe against Cleveland these next two games, but then you get into Detroit for 4. You got to just take it easy. You can't push anybody in the bullpen against Detroit.
2: How would you feel about finishing behind the go-go sox? Because by cause here come the White Sox. Like oh, yeah. the White Sox, this is a scary team, man. They're they're young, energetic. Literally, I think, in their minds, have nothing to uh, lose. You can keep your twins bomba squad. I'll take the White Sox Bomba Squad. Um, so if if you went with your strategy and you know let's say you did fine but you fell off a bit and I'm with you you're making the playoffs like you would have to actively quit the season not to how would you feel finishing in front of Cleveland and behind the White Sox I'm assuming that that I'm assuming the, the White Sox are just basically going to keep rolling because they can hit so well and I don't think there's any inherent pressure in there so it's going to be it's going to be the type of thing where it won't be shocking if they continue to play well for a while
0: yeah i would be fine i don't think it matters i don't think winning the division really matters uh because seeding is totally irrelevant right like you could finish as the number two seed uh and face the seven seed who could be the white Sox, you know because they might they could finish third in the central or you could, uh, you know, you could finish as the four and face the Yankees because the Rays end up winning that division in the first half. Like, seeding is totally irrelevant. So I would be fine um, finishing behind the White Sox. Like, obviously, you prefer to finish ahead of them. You prefer to get the higher seed just because there's a better chance, I guess, you're playing a weaker team. Um, but yeah, I I, I mean I, I think the White Sox are really good. I think their pitching is suspect, their defense is suspect. But didn't they? I believe they set the all time record in a three game series for home runs against the Cubs. They might have. I have to double check that. Where you hit? I believe six. Six in the six. series. Yep. So I think I would want to avoid the White Sox first round, just like I'd want to avoid Cleveland first round um, for very for completely opposite reasons, right? Uh, but yeah, I don't think it really matters where you finish. Uh, and which I, which I realize sort of negates my other point about pushing it against Cleveland to get the tiebreaker. Um, as long as you're in the playoffs, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but as far as just your larger point about the White Sox, they scare the hell out of me. I mean, they're, yeah. really oh, they're really going to be good for years to come. And think about this, Jake. They
2: could have Fernando Tatis Jr. How, how so? They gave him up in the James Shields trade with oh, San gosh. Diego. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Like yes. he could be their shortstop.
0: I know. I know. Think
2: about
0: God. that. That he trade. He wasn't great oh, young
2: my. players in the game today. Think about it. And they got James Shields, who, pardon my French, sucked.
0: Oh, God. He what wasn't a good. good White Sox. I forgot about – I forgot that they – How about, would you
2: like him to be in your division with the kid in – you know, with the kid in center field there? And oh, all the pitching brother. in Cleveland.
0: Woo! Yeah. Oh.
2: Sorry. But the Central
0: – let me ask you this quickly, Judd. Is the Central the best division in baseball? Because I think
2: you can make a legitimate argument that it is. It might be. Yeah, you know what? It, boy, the American League East is not now, right? I mean, um, the American
0: League East is down,
2: you know? Uh, I know. Boston's terrible. Uh, Baltimore. The American League West is weird. Like, Oakland's always good in some weird way, and the Angels, who have one of the best players in the game today, are not that good. Not that good. They're horrible. They're 9-21. and Yeah. I think the Central's um, the best division in baseball. It's no, I'm trying to think of National League divisions too. You know, the the West has the Dodgers, which are just a great team, and the Padres are coming. the West, The West in the National League might be pretty good here, to, but yeah, you might have a, you might be right. No right division, right no no division right. has three
0: teams. No division has three legitimately good teams the way the Central does. You're right.
2: Well, it's going to be fun, but uh, my God, Fernando Tatis in Chicago. Woo-hoo! All right, we are done for uh, today. We will be back to record one of these on uh, Thursday, um, recapping the last couple days then as the Twins will have wrapped up their series with Cleveland. And then you and Doogie are going to do a uh, Scoring Our Twins podcast on Friday about the trade deadline, Correct? Right?
0: Yeah, we're going to do a trade deadline special. Lots of reckless, uh, reckless speculation in that one, I'm sure. Uh, Doogie should have some, some good nuggets to drop on us.
2: All right, he's Jake. I'm Judd. We will uh, talk to you later.
1: To be your best every day,